I'm going to try today to conclude uh, the subtopic that we started almost three Sundays ago. Our theme, however, for the month, which I said is going to move into next month as well, is pushing beyond boundaries of limitations. We are exploring this topic using Acts chapter 3 as our foundational chapter, the story of the man who was healed at the gate of beautiful. We've talked about that at length. Please allow me not to go back on that. But in studying this topic, we ended up talking about the fact that there are laws that we can apply to be able to push ourselves out of limitations. We explored natural laws using the law of gravity and the law of aerodynamics as an example. And then we talked about spiritual laws. For instance, the Bible talks about the law of faith. However, now we are exploring the law of sowing and reaping. And I don't want to go back to everything because we really want to try and conclude this particular part. But we said that uh, when we talk about laws, it's important for us to understand that uh, laws, these are forces, if you would, or laws that God has placed in nature that were there when the world was created. But also there are laws that work in the spirit world. And so we said these laws, are about, they are like principles that need to be obeyed. And these principles affect all of us. And these principles are important because a principle comes first before everything. When we came into the world, we found the law or the principle of gravity. So there's nothing we can do to change the law of gravity. We can only cooperate with the law of gravity. And gravity affects us whether we know it or not. Gravity affects us whether you are innocent or you are not innocent. If an innocent baby comes and crawls off this platform, the law of gravity will not say, the law of gravity will just grab that little one and pull them down to the floor. So laws work whether we know it or not. We also realize that laws work for the righteous and the unrighteous. A law, when it's applied, or whether it's a spiritual law or a natural law, it applies because it does not discriminate. For instance, the law of sowing and reaping that we're talking about now. If you sow something in the natural sense, it will grow. The seed doesn't say you are not born again. The seed doesn't say you don't know Christ. The seed will work because the law of sowing and reaping is important. And then we also said laws work when you work them. That's an important principle. You know, uh, we use the example of a, an aeroplane that's parked on the tarmac, not in motion. And when you look at an aeroplane, it weighs a lot of tons. There's no way something that heavy can be airborne. It's impossible because it's kept on the ground through the law of gravity. But you can apply another law, which is the law of aerodynamics. And when you apply the law of aerodynamics, that plane will fly. But it only flies for as long as you're applying the law. And we said, please remember, once you get airborne, uh, don't think gravity is no longer there. It would be a great mistake to switch off the engines. You want to keep your engines switched on so that you can apply that law. So we used Romans chapter 8, where it talks about how the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. We said you can put that parallel to the fact that the law of aerodynamics has set us free, in inverted commas, from the law of gravity. So we said there are laws that if you apply them, 
they can supersede existing laws. We know that our world is under the law of sin and death. We are under that law since the fall of mankind. But we can apply spiritual law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, to supersede the law of sin and death. And so this is what we covered. And uh, we ended by saying that uh, the Bible tells us about the law of sowing and reaping in Genesis chapter 8. Let's read that together. That's just a very quick recap for those of you who were not with us. Uh, However, there's far more details. You may want to get some of the other teachings that we did earlier. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. All right, we're going to read a number of different translations. Let's read together. It's on the screen. One, two, three. What does it say? While the earth... Yes... Yes. Uh huh. Yes. Shall not what? Shall not? So, in other words, for as long as the world is, as long as the world remains, these principles or these laws or whatever you want to call them, they will always operate. They'll always be day and night, summer and winter. But the one that we're focusing on is seed time and harvest. So this is a law. When we, when we are born into the world, this was already there. All right? So there's nothing we can do to change it. We just need to learn how to work with it. All right? Let's look at another translation, please. I think it was the NIV last time. Yeah. Let's read it together. What does it say? As long as the... Yes. Seed time and harvest... So we'll, we'll exclude summer and winter, day and night, but we want to talk about seed time and harvest. For as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest will never cease. Now that's important. It's, it's true even in just in a sense of, you know, farmers. You know, when you think about sowing and reaping, oftentimes we think about farmers. However, please note, all of life revolves around this principle of sowing and reaping. All of life. Everything in life revolves around this law. Every day we wake up and live, we go into a process of sowing. So you're here today, you made a choice to be here, you are sowing your time, all right? You're sowing your time, and this time that you're sowing will have certain fruit. It may not be tomorrow, but it will have certain fruit. Probably you may hear something today that's going to change the rest of your life. You may learn something today that's going to change the direction of your life. But think, somebody else might be somewhere else today doing something that's not so nice, all right? Maybe they are there intended to commit a crime, rob a bank or something, okay? They're, going to, they're sowing the same time that you are sowing and you're sowing good seed in your life, they are sowing bad seed in their life. So it might be that they may get away with it but get arrested or they might get killed. And so every day we wake up, the words we use, the Bible shows us that the words that we speak affect our life. It's not so much the words that people say over you. They do affect you, but not as much as the words that you speak over your life. And the question is, what kind of words are you sowing in your life? What are you saying about you? What are the things that you keep on affirming about yourself? You know, sometimes we just speak carelessly, maybe out of frustration. 
and something happens, you say, I knew it was going to happen. Nobody ever holds down a job in our home. Nobody ever, you know, uh, stays married in our home. I knew that they were going to do this in six months' time. I knew they don't, and we keep on sowing words all the time. What about our actions? Very often, we get surprised, in inverted commas, when certain things happen to us. And yet, if we were truthful, we would just reflect back and realize that probably some things that we are going through today is because of our actions yesterday. And I use yesterday not as in Mawani, but yesterday as in time past. We saw through actions. If, if, you, if you are in the habit of doing things that are wrong, it's going to catch up with you. Okay, you're showing what is wrong in your life. What about attitudes? And I'm explaining this in the first service. You know, Jesus uses a very interesting expression. He says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. All right, in short, in short, you see, this is what we do. You see, we wait for how people treat us. See, and respond. Jesus says, ha 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 Depending on how you want people to treat you, Take the initiative of sowing in that direction yourself. Look at your neighbor who's not saying amen and say, why are you not saying amen right now? All right? So Jesus is saying, make up your mind that you're going to act in the direction or in the same same line in which you want to get treated. And you know, most of the times it's true, people. If you have a nice attitude towards people, generally, maybe not always, but generally people will be nice to you. Yeah, but if you are not so nice, people are not going to be so nice to you. But isn't it strange that we don't become nice to people, and when people are not nice to us, we want to act like how? Kanjan? Chin, betuna, bangenzene labantu. You know? And yet, we saw through our actions. What about through our thoughts, our thinking, or things that we plant in our minds? There are things that when we read, we watch, we saw those thoughts in our minds. There's no way you can watch filthy stuff and have a clean mind. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. There's no way you can be watching pornography and expect yourself to be living a pure life sexually. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because you're sowing something. Oh, tell your neighbor, why are you not saying amen? Did you? <laughs> Our decisions or the choices we make. God addresses this in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy 30 rather. I said before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Every day we wake up, we make choices. We choose. What about associations? We saw through that. What about obedience? You know, you know, going around our country and in other parts of the world. And I must say this, young people, I, 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 well, you know that I'll always say something for your benefit, right? And we won't try to be politically correct. Is that, is that, is that all right? We'll just say it as it is. Is that okay? If you're sitting next to a young person and say, this one is for you, just for you, just for you, just for you, just for you. You know, in, in, in talking with a number of our young people, I don't know. I think the world has changed, Bazar, and the world will always change. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But one thing that's concerned me in our country since the advent of our democracy, it's not because of our democracy, by the way, that this is happening, but I think the changes in the world, somehow it has eroded this thing called honor and respect of elderly people or of, of authority structures. Well, well, it's not that the authority structures have covered themselves in glory either, okay? Nor does it mean we parents do what is right, okay? That, that I'll give you that. I think we, we're not doing what's right. However, we were taught in our time to learn to honor parents. 
And it's a timeless principle in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm telling you. Bible says, honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you. Now, you can argue with it as long as you want, but it's a law. Okay? Whether you like it or you don't like it, it's, it's, it's going to work. You know? And, and I've been in conversation with many young people, many, many parts of the world. And one thing that surprises me, many of them can't figure out what things are not working out in their lives. And for the many of them that are spoken to, the dishonor and the disrespect they have for their parents is just unbelievable. See, when, when your parent says, God bless you, my child. Oh. Na, 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 I know, I know, I know. Can I honor you? I am waiting. Eh? You won't believe what I'm saying. But there's a principle. You know, yesterday we were, I said I was on a long distance trip. We went to Valdezia uh, in Mambiti. That's Louis Trichard's direction or Makado's direction. It's quite a long way to go and bury one of our grandmothers. She was a sister to my grandmother on my father's side. uh, Formerly a Pandeka. And uh, uh, she passed on at the age of 103. Yeah. I mean, this old lady at the age of 99, when you spoke to her, she still knew who you were. Unbelievable. And yesterday, it was such an honor to sit in that funeral and hear family members talk about how they were raised and the honor and the respect that this old lady had. She lived to be 103. She was a nurse by profession. Very beautiful lady. Even, even in her old age, she was a knockout, I tell you. <laughs> hey! You know, and, uh, and I'm sitting there thinking, going through this. And I, when I came back, I said this to my wife. And I thought, you know, I don't know. And this is just a side journey. One thing I'm realizing is that all of us here from the families we come from, there's some divine portion that God allots families. Some... I don't know. It's, I, I was studying it this morning, actually, during my devotions. And it struck me to, to note that. And I noted there are certain trends and trademarks that seem to characterize families. And I was glad yesterday to learn about a number of things that have been part and parcel of our family. And then it struck me. Anybody in our family who has veered off from those their life never amounted to anything. Now, I'm not talking about career. I'm talking about principles of life, like honor, respect, loving God. One of the things in our family is loving God. And one of the things in our family, the guys don't drink. You see, if you're a sonor, you drink. The drinking will just make you dear Makar. I tell you, you'll be sure dear Makar because this, this just, if you want to access the, the, the blessing that's there, that's there. But this old lady was so respectful. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, today you hear the way young people talk about their parents, talk about authority figures. I know you don't want to say amen, and I'm going to continue talking about this. And they sow seeds of dishonor, disrespect. They say whatever they like. You know, it's free speech. You can say whatever. It's even worse on social media. Calling people out names and, or just saying things rudely. I mean, like you, Muruti Moshe, who was leading us in prayer, was talking about you know, thank God that our president rose to the occasion to bring parliament under control last, last week because it was just getting out of control. But we can't use certain ways of talking, people, and be insensitive. In this instance, issues around uh, violence against women and children. We can't use those things and just be carelessly talking. 
But you know, our generation is, talks like that. And then when things don't work for our young people and I see them, you know, the, the person has qualified, they've got a job, everything. On, on the surface, things should be working. All right? Things should be working, but they're not working. Because we know that besides all our effort, when everything is said and done, there's an added element called the God factor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you violate God's laws, no matter how much everything in your life is in place, things are not going to work. Yeah. So we saw every day. We saw through obedience, disobedience. Thank God for how our parents raised us. They taught us to be respectful. Till the last day of my mom on this earth and my dad, I respected them. I, I would never say certain things to my dad. There's a certain line I would never cross with my dad. No matter how angry I was, I never. Oh, yeah. Look at the young person who's not clipping next to you and say, he's trying to teach you something, you better listen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, when you tell young people to they say, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And I say, okay, we'll talk after 20 years. Yeah, when you've been going around the same mountain... 20 years later, then maybe you can hear me better. Why? I'm not saying because it's me. I'm saying it because it's a timeless principle. Honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you. Listen to what it says. That it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So principles are important. Anyhow, let's leave that one alone now that you don't want to say amen. I can see you really. So here are the principles of sowing and reaping. Law number one. We says we reap only what has been sown. We, we prove that from the Bible. You don't sow one thing and reap another. All right? Law number two, we've covered this one already. We reap the same in kind as we sow. In other words, you can't sow uh, oranges, you know, and reap tomatoes. Therefore, if we, learn that, if we learn that principle, then we become more intentional in what we sow in our life. And remember, when I use the word sow, I'm not using the narrow definition of only planting cabbages. So I'm talking about everything about life. That's very important. Law number three, which is where we ended last week. Thirdly, we, says, we, we, we said we reap in a different season than what we sow. We reap in a different season. In other words, the harvest never comes immediately after planting. All right? So we plant... And we reap later. Now, now watch this now. This is important. This is important. This is important for us to understand that there are seasons in life when you are planting all that is good, but what you are observing with your eyes doesn't match the effort. Is everybody there right now, right? So you, you are in that time in your life wherein, you know, you're doing all that's right, but when, when you're looking at your life, it doesn't match all the effort. Of course, yes. Because remember, you don't, you, don't, you don't reap in the same season. You don't reap in the same season. So you, you understand that when you, when you sow something, it takes a very long time for the seed to come through. So the question is, you need to continue planting. Why? Because plants don't grow overnight. Note, for an athlete to be very proficient, it doesn't happen because they went to the gym once. Right? No, it doesn't happen like that. The athlete needs to continue working for hours. In fact, the interesting thing is the hard work they put behind the scenes 
when nobody is seeing or looking and is aware, is much longer, harder, more strenuous than the actual performance itself. Think about Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt, to run that 100 meters, he runs it uh, uh, in what? One second? Under 10 seconds. Under 10 seconds. Under 10 seconds. I mean, if you count 10 seconds, let's go. He's saying, I said one, two, three. They say, oh, you're too fast. That's faster than a second. That's just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now, that's how long it was. I don't know how long that took, time-wise. Ten seconds. <laughs> but think about this. Think about it. For him to be able to get to that level, think about all the hours he spent in physical training. Okay? Physical training what? Doing road works, probably going to the gym, lifting weights maybe, hours and hours, right? Then being coached by a coach. And then what? He must eat right. He must rest well. Then he has, he has psychologists and maybe psychiatrists. They have to prep him mentally. All of that. All of that for a performance that lasts only 10 seconds. Think about it. Think about it. So, to, to get that level of performance, there's a lot of seat, there's a lot of sewing. Hours and hours of sewing. And watch, when he's training, he doesn't do it before us. He's not performing. He's not in a stadium where everybody is looking at you. See, this is what Jesus is trying to teach us when he teaches about prayer. He says, when you pray, enter into your secret space. Enter into your closet. There are things that should be our secret disciplines, our private disciplines, good disciplines, proper disciplines that we do not for the praise of people. We are not doing it for the gallery. We are doing it for that moment when we're going to need some kind of seed. Oh, can I hear an amen in the house? Yeah. So you think about what athletes are doing. What about us? People do one small and a good thing. Once come to church once a week. Once a month. Once a year. And you want to love to be sorted. Read the Bible when you are in crisis. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he saw you yesterday. Hmm? Think about it. Think about it. When it comes to financial giving, we tithe when we feel like it. Go to church when we feel like it. Live right when we feel like it. And then we want our life to be on the right path. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You have to sow and sow and sow and sow and sow. Even when you don't see the fruit, you keep sowing. Huh? You want to you get yourself into that place. You know, I was giving you an example about the, the plantations in Kanagokokai. Uh, uh, Eh? Emala, not Emalat anyway. The Sapi plantations. What's the town in? What? Ngodwana, but it's next to what? Sabi. The plantations in Sabi there, the Sapi plantations. I don't know how many of you have observed. If you drive through those plantations, you'll know that there, 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 there's trees everywhere and they seem to be at all stages of growth. Some are still small, some are tall, some have been harvested, you know, and, and it's go there. And, and when you think about this, these farmers are wise. They staggered their seed time because they know that you don't harvest in the same season. 
so they know if I plant this tree now, I'm not going to harvest it next year. It's going to, I don't know how long those trees take. Anybody knows? Ten years. Ten years. Did you say ten years? Did you say ten years? Don't hide, man. I'm, I need information. Help me. Don't hide. Did you say ten years? How come you know you work, you work in that industry? Pardon? Pardon? Oh, you are a farmer. Oh, thank you. You must say more amen to my someone today than anybody does. <laughs> thank you. Hey, 10 years. Hey, think about this. 10 years. Now, here it is. Think about this. Think about this. Think about this. If it takes 10 years to get a harvest, all right, and you want to stagger your plantation that, that every year, let's not say every month, every year you have a harvest. So it means for you to have a harvest after you've planted, you're going to have the first harvest after 11 years. And let's assume you're going to stagger the harvest like this. So after 11 years, you start having your first harvest. On the 12th year, you have your second harvest. But it was 11 years of nothing to an untrained eye. To an uninitiated person, it's 11 years of nothing. Same as you. Here you are. You're praying. You're following God. You're doing what's right. You're not seeing any results. And you're allowing some uninformed person to talk you out of your good effort. But you see, you, you are not in harvest time yet. Oh my goodness. Keep on planting the seeds of prayer. Can I hear an amen? Keep on planting the seeds of right living. Keep on planting the seeds of righteousness. Keep on planting the seeds of God's word. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing for in due season. You will reap if you faint not. Our problem is we don't understand there's a thing called due season. Galatians 6.9. Let's read it together. Galatians 6.9. It says, and the, let us not be weary in well-doing. Well-doing, well-doing. Plant good seed. Well-doing. Why must you be weary in well-doing? For in due season. Do you see that due season? There's always due season. There's always a season for harvest. But it doesn't start when you plant. <laughs> The, the, the principle gets kicked into motion when you plant, but you don't see the harvest. In due season, you will reap. There's the word if. I must ask my young people who know better English than we. We island born to education. You are a born free. You can tell us. What does the word if means? Yeah, she is a born free. You're born free. You're not a born free? What? You are a born bound? <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 she is. Yeah, she is. Yes, the born free is right here sitting next to each other. Yeah, come on, you're going to help me now. I studied Bantu education. What does the word if means? It's like a what? A condition. Yeah. Some more, some more, some more. Huh? Eh? Maybe. Yeah, she says, I don't know what that means. Exceptional. So the word if is a condition. Watch what it says. You shall reap if. If, in other words, the condition of you reaping is based upon what follows. If you faint not. So what happens? So I see it in January. You know, when people make New Year resolutions about attending church. 
And churches all over the country are bursting on the seams with numbers. Because there are people who rededicate their lives every new year. Once a year. First Sunday. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know if he's talking about somebody you know. Now, now here it is. Here's the challenge. When you do counseling, one of the things I find people don't like is when you counsel them, when you give them God's word, they don't like it. They want you to wave your magic wand of fire, fire. Fire! Hey, how many of you will fire? Fire! fire. But they're not sowing the right seeds. All right? So your prayers must work like a magic wand. So you are a spiritual Christian magician now. And because sometimes we like when people say we have power, we like that. Because I'm going to talk about you, not about God. And our intention is to teach people God's word, to get them attached to God's word, so that they must be disciplined. Oh, come on, somebody. You don't like this preaching? You... Oh, yeah. No, the verse. Let's have the verse. You will reap if we faint not. So there's always due season, but the due season is predicated on the fainting or the getting tired or discouraged. You don't reap. Say with me. You don't reap or you reap in a different season. So this is important, Bazalana. Now, you know, I wrote here the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. I didn't tell them this in the first service. Think about this woman. She's childless. She wants a child badly. Eh? What does she do? Hannah sows time in prayer. She is so much consumed by what she wants. She is so intense in her prayer that as she gets into the temple, the prophet, the man of God, doesn't even realize that this woman is burdened. This backslidden prophet looks at this woman and says, what are you doing, woman, to come into the house of God drunk as you are? Because he was watching this woman in the temple praying with so much intensity that she groaned and her lips moved. No sound was coming out. And the prophet thought she must be drunk. When, when he confronted her, she said, don't you understand? I'm a woman of a bitter spirit. I'm asking God to give me a child. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 20, I love it. I love it. It says, and it came to pass in due time. Oh, I see somebody here with a due time. It came to pass in due time after Hannah conceived that she gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. When you consider her persistent prayer, when you consider that she sold this, she refused to be discouraged by bringing a petition before the Lord. My goodness. And you know, I was reading this this morning when of this I was studying. It has amazed me in the Bible how that it looks like women who had, were known to be barren and they conceived a child like this, that child was always separated to God. I was reading in the book of Judges chapter 13 about Samson. The mother also was barren. My goodness. Which means, Basalana, you can turn around, figuratively speaking, any barrenness in your life by continual sowing. Yeah. And I found out Gifts that come from God, that come from this kind of persistence and this type of seed sowing, you treasure them more than something that was just given to you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. Psalms 145.15 says, The eyes of, of all look to thee, O God, and you do give them their food in due time. See, whatever seed you sow, God's eyes is looking at it. God's not going to forget what you sowed. You remember when God sent the angel to go to the house of Cornelius? Cornelius was not a believer. He was not a Christian. He was not a Jew. He was just a centurion. Bible says he prayed every day. He gave, he gave alms consistently, continually. This man was sowing what's right, 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 sowing what's right. Sowing what's right. There's something about God. When you keep on sowing what's right, sowing what's right, God can help himself. Because God loves to give you back good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. When you work the principle, God is faithful to respond to the principle. And God finally sends the angel to go down to Cornelius' house. Go and read it. Go and read it. When the angel comes to Cornelius' house, he says, Cornelius, your prayers and your arms have come as a memorial before God. Oh yeah. God is faithful to his principle. If you work the principle of sowing and reaping, you will reap if you faint not. Tell your neighbor, you will reap if you faint not. Hallelujah. Now here's the other side of it. Oftentimes when bad things happen in our lives, we get shocked. And yet if we were to pause for a while and look back at the seeds that we sowed in the past, we would realize that maybe some seed in the past is catching up with us. We would get a few amens on that. But you see, we don't don't reap in the same season. Alright? Number four, we reap in proportion to what we sow. 2 Corinthians 9.6 says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. This is the example I was giving when you consider the amount of work that goes in the background for an athlete to get good results. They train bountifully. (laughs) They exercise bountifully to be able to get the results. So if you want to reap good fruit in your life, learn to sow bountifully. However, our world oftentimes doesn't tell us this. We want quick fixes. We live in times of instant everything. I mean, even today, news are instant. You can't even tell people what happened at the wedding that you were attending because they already saw you. (laughs) There's no breaking news story anymore. Everything happens live. So because we are programmed to want to be inst- have instant everything, we think that is how life works. However, it doesn't work like that. We need to learn to sow what is right. So if you want to transform any bad seeds in your life or any bad fruit in your life, let's, for instance, talk about our lives as a piece of ground or a garden that's filled with bad Bad, bad fruit. Or like weeds that are everywhere. Because, you know, before we knew Christ, everything about us, we were sowing the wrong things. I mean, we spoke terribly. We made wrong decisions. We, we used our money wrongly. We used our body wrongly. We drank all the wrong things. We smoked all the wrong things. We washed all the wrong things. Hey, think about it. Hey, Basalana. Hey. And then we get caught in this spiral of wrong things. Thank God for the day we know Christ. 
and light comes our way. And we receive Christ. All things pass away. All things become new. That being true, you must then start on a journey to actively start sowing and intentionally start sowing that which is right. So you may be born again, but you may not dismiss the fact that there are certain effects that your old life has on you. Your physical body, for instance. You know, if you, if you went and did something, Kaika, if you stole, your criminal record is still there. Even if you are a new creature, Mara, the record is not new creature at all. All right, so what must we do? We must find a way. Listen to this. This is important. We must find a way that now with my new life, can I intentionally start sowing the right seeds? Think about it this way, as an example. Say, this is my garden and it's filled with weeds of my old life. I'm born again. I'm a new creature. But when I look around, I see all these bad weeds. But in the words of the Bible, I need to start sowing what's right. All right. So I start sowing the right seed. I sow through words, through actions, reading the word, giving. I mean, I just keep sowing, sowing, sowing. Now, this is what Jesus says about the seed of God's word. He says the seed of God's word, Peter says, is incorruptible seed. In other words, when you plant the seeds of God's word, it doesn't rot. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain forever. All right. So it means when I start planting that seed, once I put it into the soil of my life, it's going to start germinating. However, if I faint not, remember, just like any farmer, you don't just throw the seed in the ground and forget about it. Jesus teaches us that in, in Mark chapter 4, that when you take the seed of God's word and it gets planted in the soil of your heart, the birds of the air and, and Satan and the troubles of this world will try to come and steal the word. So the secret to that word producing good fruit is you looking after that word. In the natural, if you plant something, you must go take the weeds off. You must put fertilizer on it. You must give water to it. You've got to take care of your seed. And, 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 and for a long time, you don't even see anything. All you see is just the ground. All right? There's no evidence of anything that has gone down underneath the soil. But the key is in you looking after what you've done. And in you continuing to sow the right seeds. Watch this now. So here you are. Okay, you are sowing all the right seeds, but when you look at your life, it doesn't look like anything is changing. Listen what the book of Ecclesiastes says in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4 to 6. It says, he who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. In other words, if you, if you, if you, if you look at this, the weeds around your garden and all the problems that surround you, you are not going to plant what is right. You'll feel like, what's the use? My life has already gone off the hook. I'm already in the wrong direction. But if you're wise, that's not what you're going to do. Note verse 5. It says, just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Verse 6. Sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening. For you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed and whether both of them alike will be good. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. Contrary to how man thinks, you need to constantly keep sowing the right seeds. Keep sowing the right seeds. Why? You're going to finally get into that season where the right seeds begin to grow. 
And the good thing with God's word, according to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, he says, so is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground, and when he cuts seeds into the ground, that seed is the smallest of all the herbs that are in the garden. But when it is planted, and when it begins to grow, it grows to be the biggest tree in the whole garden. That even the birds of the air come and build nests, and even the beasts of the field come and lodge under the shadow of that. Let me explain what that means, Bazalan. When you read in the book of Exodus, God tells Moses to make a holy anointing oil. And one of the ingredients that went into the holy anointing oil came from a tree that was called the bold tree. I don't remember the actual name of the tree, but they called it the bold tree because it was a very short tree. All right. When you planted this tree, it took a very, very long time to grow. Very short in stature. It took about seven years to really start growing. However, once it began to grow, it would even overtake some of the other trees that grew up before it grew up. Not only that, in the seven years when it looks like it's not growing, it would sink its roots deep into the ground so that the minute it starts growing, its roots will literally uproot all the other existing trees in the vicinity. Oh, this is the way the word of God is in your life. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. You take many years sowing and sowing and sowing and doing what's right. Speaking God's word, reading God's word, meditating on God's word, acting on God's word. You take God's word, you put it in your life, put it in your finances, put it in your behavior. It may take long, it may look like nothing is happening, but one day is one day. One day when that word begins to grow, you know what it's going to do? It's going to go into those other areas in your life and uproot all the bad things and, and take out all the bad things. Can I hear an amen? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And God's word begins to uproot everything. But the secret is to stay with it. Secret is to stay with it. If we don't stay with it, so I go to work. But you understand that you got to keep on sowing. Tell your neighbor, keep on sowing. Tell them, keep on sowing bountifully. Principle number five, you reap when you persevere in working the law of sowing and reaping. You reap when you are persevering. It's very interesting, Bazalana, that anytime you start on a project, there'll always be opposers who are there. The Bible says for us not to lose heart in well-doing. The Greek word there, the Greek meaning means to act or treat badly or wrongly. Or to cease, to give up, to lose heart or to despair. Jesus uses this example in Luke 18 verse 1 where he says men ought always to pray and not faint. He says keep praying, don't give up. Paul says to the believers in Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 3.13 but ye brethren be not weary in well doing. This phrase talking about getting weary it's in the passive voice. It points to the impact of something on one's life which causes them to give up. So we don't need to give up because we understand anytime we move in the direction of doing what is right there is always an enemy out there. Can I hear an amen, Bazalan? So don't give up. Let me conclude. Law number six. Here's the thing. We can't do anything about last year's harvest. But we can definitely do something about this year's harvest. 
Yeah. I told you the other time that uh, I was listening to somebody who was telling me about their colleague who for many years had really given themselves over to really, uh, 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 I think they were very, very heavy smoker for years and years and years and years. Yes, 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 yes. Very, very, very heavy. Finally, this man decided to stop, you know. And, uh, and you know, sometimes God changes things and transforms things. But in this man's case, in the same year he stopped, he passed. Thankfully, he had stopped. Now, yes, the principle was alone. Unfortunately, even if he had stopped, there were still scars to his life. And the seed that had gone on before. Because, see, life is full of consequences. Now, here's what God wants us to do. God doesn't want us to run away from the consequences. We've got to face the consequences. I know sometimes Christian people, you know, some of us guys, you know, you find in our days when we were not safe, you know, metaphorically, we were sowing our wild oats, sowing and reaping, and bountifully so. <laughs> if you don't understand what I mean, just ask the person sitting next to you what I mean by that. Now, yes, sometimes what we, 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 we go wrong in this, that when we get saved, we say, no, all things have passed away. <laughs> New things have come. Now, being born again does not mean we need not face up. We must be bold enough to face up. Because life has consequences. However, 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 now that one is enlightened, you can now start intentionally sowing what is different. That's a good thing. See, see, if, if, if I got children, if I got children and I didn't marry their mom or their moms, and then I married a, a lady I didn't have children with, as a man, I need to take it upon my Self and be responsible, right? To be to take responsibility over those children. Now I can't change the fact that they're in the world. You understand? Even if all things have passed away, but they are not going to pass away. You understand? No, no, no. Come on now. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Now, however, I could, I could find a way to connect with my children. Apologize. All right. Apologize to the, my wife, I mean my former girlfriend. Sorry, wife. My former girlfriend. But at least I could use that opportunity with my children to say, look, I didn't do things well. Learn from me. And I'm going to do my best to have a great relationship with you. It may not be the best. I might not always be here. But I can at least try. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, you know, you know, the, the good thing with the gospel is that the gospel is redemptive. You know, you know out in the world, the world likes to, to punish you and to remind you of how evil you are. Now, we should be aware of the wrongs we've done and take responsibility. It doesn't mean that. But God says if you own up to your wrongs, if you admit Tell your neighbor, yeah. If if I if if I admit tell your neighbor Yeah, if I admit 
Then I try to make amends and start doing what's right. What about relationships that are broken? I was saying this in, in, in the first service. You know, sometimes people struggle in their marriages. We struggle in our marriages because we don't want to sow good seeds. You know, we become difficult men, you know, and we want our home to be all right. Or difficult women. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, the thing is this. If both of you are not going to intentionally be nice to each other. Because life has consequences. Yeah. And people go through years of fighting in marriage. Fighting, fighting. After years you realize, matter why are we fighting? Because he's not going to stop pressing the toothpaste in the middle. Doesn't matter what I say. So why am I why am I still shouting like he's doing it for the first time? Yeah? She's not gonna stop wanting to go shopping. She's not. And even if she says we'll be back in two hours, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. So why why don't I adjust myself to say even if she says two hours, I know I must multiply it by another two or another three. And don't get upset. Just go shopping and be nice. Ah. Ah. But isn't it funny how we fight and fight and fight? Remember, Basalan, none of us can change somebody. Doesn't matter how hard you scream. A person changes because they want to change. We can show them. We can challenge them. But if they don't agree to it, it's not going to happen. So you just have to. But you know, we don't realize, Bazalana, that the result of all those years of fighting just breaks down a home. Bad consequences. But the day you find out, you say, you know, maybe from today I'm going to try to be nice for a change. Even if I see he has pressed it in the wrong place, I won't say anything. I'll just replace it and just leave him because shame. <laughs> it's me who chose this Baizani after all. <laughs> I said to this Baizani, I love you. And you might as well say, look, I'll just go shopping. I won't say anything. You know, you know and I'll conclude, but I'm done. I, I'm so glad that God helped us. It's not 100% resolved, but at least it's better. We had to solve this thing with my wife. I don't like shopping, okay? With all my heart. I dislike it with a passion, okay? I don't know. And don't show my wife on the screen, you people. Stop it. I see you there, my brother. Please don't. That camera there. But you know, I heard somebody speaking. I think it was Rick Godwin. That man helped me. He was preaching like this. He, he, he talked about how he does it with his wife. He says... We go shopping and we've struck an agreement to say, look, you can go, we can go together, but I can't go through all the shelves looking at this. <laughs> now, some of you guys do that. Some of the men do that. But some of us are not wired like that. I, I, I really, really, please. So, <laughs> so, and I'm glad she agreed. You know, we, we agreed to say, look, wife, we'll go shopping, all right? 
You can go through the shelves. I'll sit down in a corner somewhere. I won't bother you. All right, I'll do. But after you've chosen whatever you want to choose, I'll come and then we can look at it and we can all agree which one we buy. Isn't that fair? Oh, come on. Oh, you ladies, come on. You should give me a hand for that. Hey. But there are times when I can't keep up. There's, she knows there's a, there's a threshold I have of shopping. When I reach that threshold, I say to her, can I go home? And in love, she says, my husband, you can go home, my darling. At least kiss a meal. But, but no, no, that's not, you know, you know, as much as you try, those are some things you just have to find a way. No need to live in a home filled with tension and all of that because you want your way. If he doesn't do it my way, if she doesn't do it my way. <laughs> and you go through all these years of turmoil and whatever. In other words, you can choose from today to intentionally plant the right seeds in your life. You can choose. You can choose. Yeah. Yeah. You can choose. If you have a broken relationship with your children, you can choose to start being nice to them. I, I heard Kenneth Copeland years ago. Years ago, I was listening to one. It was a cassette. That's how many years ago it is. He said, you know, he used to have a very fiery temper those years. And he was, he was one of these fathers who didn't want his children to, to still be in bed by 8 o'clock, even when they're on holiday. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, that, that used to happen in the past. You know, the first, no, none of my children is going to be in bed by 8 a.m. So he used to go and pull off the covers and wake up. He was like that. He says one day he was reading the Bible and he realized, and he was reading about the love of God and God said, but why are you like that? I mean, if you wake them up at 8, what's the difference between 8 and 10? They're on holiday. I mean, I mean, other days we understand, but they're on holiday. And they're kids. They should sleep and grow. <laughs> and all the children said, Amen. I see your hand, my brother. <laughs> Anyhow, then he said, when I learned that, I, I, I started intentionally making sure that when I wake up my kids... I do it in a nice way, and I found a way to have something nice for them, like a sweet. Yeah. She says, it didn't take long. It was just one day where I woke them up nicely. It was Kelly, I believe, is her daughter. One of her daughters, Kelly. I said, Kelly, wake up. And she woke up, not at 8, but at 10, and I gave her a sweet. And I said, you know, Daddy loves you. And you know, the child was confused for a while. I guess, because if, if you... <laughs> If you are used to be shouted at and all of a sudden the brother is nice, you say, whoa, what did you drink last night? You know, kind of. But then he said, after a while, he overhears his child talking to somebody and said, you know my daddy? Oh, how I love him. Like that. And then he says, one day he was playing with the child and, the, and she just kind of hugged him, put her face, her cheek next to his cheek. Say, oh, daddy, how I love you. But you see, that happened because he planted something. How often times we scream and shout at our kids and don't show them any love. And we, we, we do it in a home. Do it in relationships. But I believe today we make a decision to do the right thing. Amen. Amen. Let's raise our hands to God as we pray together, shall we? 
Father, we commit ourselves to you today to plant the right seeds in our lives. We will be intentional in planting the right seeds. Thank you for your word is a lamp to our feet. Your word is a light on our path and is the entrance of your word that gives light. We embrace this word. We take your word and we commit ourselves to be doers of your word and not hear us only in Jesus' name. And everybody said.